the nighttime show live at San Diego Comic-Con. We are at the Legion M Fan Lounge, and we are lucky enough to be recording some incredible episodes. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, as always with us, one of our dearest, one of our nearest and dearest and reddest of harrest, Matt Walker is here. Yeah, buddy. All right. Also, uh, the Glazen Blazer, Mike Glazer is here, Emmy nominated, and our special guest today, one of the most incredible documentary filmmakers of our time, uh, known for his work uh, for directing The People vs. George Lucas, which is a film I personally own, and the upcoming Memory, the origins of Alien. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Alexander Philippe, everyone. Yeah! Hello, hello. Sir. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I How mean, is your con? How's your con been? It's been pretty amazing. Uh, obviously, just hanging out with Legion M, which doesn't get any any better than this. And uh, you know, we had this huge panel on Alien to celebrate the 40th anniversary. We had some screenings yesterday of of the uh, of the new doc. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. so cool! Such a, such an amazing doc. And there's so many people. I mean, you got so many incredible pe- people for this uh, for this doc. Everyone. Did you get you got a lot of great people to come back and, and chat with you about it? Yeah, I mean it's you know it's it's kind of a unique take actually on on Alien. It's it's what I call a mythological film. You know, basically, I mean, we're going all the way back to like the you know ancient Greek and Egyptian uh, mythological roots of the film. A lot of focus on Dan O'Bannon and H.R. Giger and kind of the, their symbiosis with. Uh, with Ridley Scott, so it's not the kind of film you would uh, expect. Mm-hmm. So it's really an origin story documentary. Yes. It's not just your average like, oh, and then Greg was the sound guy. No, <laughs> no, <of> that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I you're, mean, you're really diving in. But it's the same thing that you did with the people versus George Lucas. That wasn't just a documentary. That was like, pe- you you talk to all sorts of people from all over the industry, pe- you know, fans. As well as professionals, yep, and uh, and and just kind of let people tear apart uh, everything that they and voice everything they, that needed to be said, and it is the defin- that was the definitive documentary uh, at the time on uh, on everything that was fucked up about what was happening in Star Wars. Well, I mean, you know, I think it's uh, it definitely resonated with fans. Let's just put yeah, it that way, you God. know, and people still talk about it, which is kind of amazing. And yeah. here we are, ten years later, you know, seriously, yeah. Uh, so, how did you get into documentary filmmaking? Where are you from originally? Originally from Switzerland, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, went to college in uh, in New York, and um, you know, but really studied dramatic writing initially, and and really started my career as a as a playwright and as a screenwriter, and uh, eventually, you know, started making my own films, which were which turned out to be documentaries, uh, very very small to begin to begin with, and um, you know, here I am, 15 years later, and I'm still making films and they're still you know going strong so with my company exhibited pictures which is uh you know i've been working with the same people for 12 years now wow that is amazing that's incredible um what was the first documentary that you that you ever oh you do not want to see that one but i'll tell you what it is (laughs) tell me what it's about uh well it's it's actually about a headless chicken it's uh it's about okay. Mm. I'm. I do want to see this movie. <laughs> yeah, now I'm I knew you were gonna say that. I'm sold. A headless uh, chicken. I'm in. That sounds like my kind of movie, right there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's it's a, it's actually Mike the headless chicken. It's mm-hmm. a true story. 
uh, this chicken in Colorado, actually, in a little town called Fruta, mm-hmm. got his head chopped off, you know, in I 1945, and lived on for 18 months without a head. Got an agent, toured the country, <laughs> uh, died like a rock star in a, in a cheap motel room in Arizona, just basically choking on his own mucus. Uh, so now, there you go. Okay, now hang on a second. <laughs> hang, on, hang on just a quick second. Yes. Uh, we got to take a, uh, a quick uh, commercial for uh, our new product that we're selling. Uh, it's um, the Vegetarian's Guide <laughs> to Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pick it up. Uh, available at Rite Aid. The Vegetarian's <laughs> Guy to come again. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what are any of us talking? Hey, a chicken uh, got its head cut that's off. That's right. Yeah. And lived for a. L- look it up, Mike what? the Headless Chicken. What? The the film is called Chick Flick: The Miracle Mike Story. Oh my and dear God. <laughs> yeah. That is shocking. I'm serious. I'm totally serious. And, and I in fact, need if you to see it, if you go to Fruta, Colorado, there they have a Mike the Headless Chicken Days every year. They celebrate the chicken over a whole weekend. How um, would the chickens just not bleed out all over the? Well, it was just one of those freak accidents. There was enough of this, the, the, the brainstem left intact, and it coagulated really well. And, uh, I mean, there's photos. There's, there's, there's evidence that so that the, chicken existed. So the, the brain continued to function? Basically, yeah. I mean, it would run into things, you know, and, and the, the owner would have anymore. to feed, By the way, feed it down the gullet. With this like, film is an 8 out of 10 rated on IMDb. People <laughs> love this movie. <laughs> I am looking. For, I'm going to find it. Hold on. I got to go. Uh, go this is now an all chicken head podcast. Yes, pretty much. I'm going to read the uh, the description. Here we go. You ready? <laughs> yeah. This is the description. Farm tragedy turns to carnival comedy in this feature length documentary, which tells the outlandish yet true story of Mike the headless chicken, the legendary Colorado-born rooster who, in 1945 cleverly avoided becoming an entree during a misguided axe swing and instead survived 18 months without his head, traveling the U.S. carnival circuits until his eventual death in a cheap Arizona motel room. (laughs) Featured in Life magazine and in Ripley's Believe It or Not, Miracle Mike continues to inspire and appall and amuse people all around the world. Most notably, during the annual Mike the Headless Chicken Days in Fruita, 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 Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, that's right. Shot in the style of a golden okay. age of comic books. Okay, what this do we have to so do, Stephen? We've done our show here at Comic Con. What do we have to do to do our show at the Miracle Chicken Days? Because that's what I want to do now. <laughs> I guarantee you, with every part of my being, we will go there and we will shoot an, uh, an interview. Yes. Uh, in that in that ridiculous place. <laughs> so how do you go from? So yes, Mike. Right. No, you're asking exactly what I was about to ask. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how do you go from making that? To making uh, your 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 next doc and getting to, to this what you're doing now. It, it, it's called Baby Steps. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, steps, yes. I went from that to a documentary, another small doc about the, uh, you know, basically Klingon speakers, uh, you know, and uh, I'm very interested. Yep, and then from there to People versus George Lucas and Doc of the Dead. Well, actually, you know, sorry, doc, People versus George Lucas, The Life and Times of Paul the Psychic Octopus, Doc of the Dead, 7852, which is about the shower scene from Psycho. Now memory and next to film about the Exorcist. So, wow, there you go. Holy shit! What now? What about the the uh, octopus? You got me there. You, uh, yeah, I don't a, know that one. That's it's about the, octop- the octopus that predicts World Cup game. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that came oh, out yeah I think course. I've seen that movie. I didn't yeah. know that was yours, but I've seen that movie. Yeah, yeah. it came out in 2012. 
Yeah. You're very six. You're a very successful documentarian, man. This is a big. This is a, a big deal. Like, did Did you grow up <laughs> loving documentaries? I mean, I'm not like, saying that, that like I'm surprised. No, I'm thank saying, you. I appreciate like, that. Like I know you from the People versus George Lucas because I'm a right. big Star Wars fan, and then of course I'm a big Alien fan, so I want to see this movie. But you have made some really badass, cool, and weird films. Thank yeah. you. I try my best. So I like, did, best. did you grow up like saying I want to make documentaries, or do you say no. want to make movies, or how did you fall into this niche? Because you don't make just Documentaries, like, uh, like say, you know, when you think of the big documentarians uh, of current working, you've got, you know, your Ken Burns, your Errol Morris, your... Who would you say, Michael Moore? Michael Moore, your, you know, the people like that who are, like, the big names. And they're making movies that are sort of typically broad-based where they're trying to reach a mass audience. You're making some for niche audiences right. that are really cool. Thank so, you. So, like, how did you wind up making documentaries about cool stuff? Uh, it's just really... Uh Again, it all started with chick flick. I hate to say it, but it's uh, kind of a story that appealed to me, and and you know I didn't really know what I was doing at the time. Uh, you know, I just uh, I just went into it uh, with kind of a passion for telling that story. I, I love. I obviously am very interested in pop culture. I'm very interested in those moments in culture that, or especially in cinema, that mm -hmm. kind of change everything. Uh, I've been a cinephile since I was a kid. And so to kind of sh do that shift from pop culture to cinema, and specifically mm -hmm. pop cult, you know, pop culture moments in cinema, was kind of a natural fit, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I I, uh, I truthfully love, uh, I, I you know I, I I love Switzerland. It's such a beautiful place. Yeah, is that, it is. Is that uh, that uh, growing up out there? What was that like I for did. you? You know, it's a it's a fine place to to grow up. It's uh, very quiet. It's very um, you know not not much happens. You know. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's also a little bit boring, to be Is honest. Is there a you know? big filmmaking community in Switzerland? No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, there's you know, there's a film yeah. community, you know. But no, I mean, I um, I really uh, you know decided to become a filmmaker much, much later after mm -hmm. leaving you know Switzerland. I mean, I left when I was seventeen. Okay. Uh, I lived in England. I lived in Zimbabwe. I lived in all over the. I, in fact, I lived in San Diego. Were you like for a enough while. with the chocolate already? That's right. And the here. cuckoo clock. And the cheese. <laughs> They're very nice people, though. I'll tell you something about the Swiss. They know how to make a watch. That's yes. right. They know how to make a watch. Exactly Shout right. out to Chrono Swiss. <laughs> oh, this is the second ad? This is the second ad <laughs> for my watch I'm currently wearing on yeah. my wrist. I have, a, I have to know, what was it like to go from interviewing people in that town with the chicken um, where I don't know if it was easy or hard to get to people to talk to you, but now you have a one of the most iconic movies of all time, and you're also trying to gain their trust to yeah. speak with you. How how do you gain that trust? Well, I mean, it, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of pers perseverance. I mean, especially when you deal with movies um, that that are about Hollywood and about iconic properties in Hollywood. Uh, it takes a long, long time. I've been going to film festivals for years. Um, you know, I, I do about 30, 40 film festivals every year. Uh, so I travel around the world a great deal. You, you build relationships that way. Um, and, you know, my previous film about the shower scene, which is on Hulu right mm -hmm. now. Okay, oh, great. Called, called 7852. I mean, you've got Guillermo del Toro. You've got Elijah Wood. You've got Eli Roth. You've yeah. got Walter Murch. I mean, you know, you, you, you go down the list. Once you start getting those people's trust, it, it, it's, it's easier for sure to start reaching out to, to, to people. And, you know, f for me, the real sort of kicker was... You know, a couple of years ago, William Friedkin came up to me and invited me to lunch. Oh, no kidding. Uh, because, oh because of 7852, and he gave me the opportunity to make, you know, 
to make a, a, a film uh, about The Exorcist, which is completely different from anything you can imagine. What, but mm -hmm. what are you doing with that? How are you doing it? Well, it's, it's premiering, um, I can't say yet where, but it's a very, very, very big festival. Does it in, rhyme in very with soon. fun dance? Well, no, no, it's, it'll be before, it'll, it's the full season. Does it's it rhyme with Schmauf by Schmauf West? <laughs> no, 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 it's, 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 no. Oh, I got it. Yeah. The Yablanto uh, <laughs> Film Festival? Yeah, no, no, you're almost there. You're getting uh, close. Yeah. New York? No, 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 no. You have to think overseas. Oh, can oh. Uh, uh, can candy? Figure out what this is. Maybe the candy. You have to think about the fall. Anyway, I'll stop right here because I can't say it. It's Tribeca. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We just go the complete wrong way. The whole rest of this interview is us guessing festivals. That's right. Basically. Basically. Is it the Palm Springs International Film Festival? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, well, wherever no, wait, it premieres, you left, that's going to be a very No, you left Switzerland audience. at the age of 17. Now, I know because yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to college and I had a friend who was from Switzerland yeah. that he had mandatory military service when he was a young man. Mm. Did you have to dodge that in some way to get to leave at 17? Or were they well, kind of so, like, yeah, you so, get to go out? Of so here's the thing. I'm, I'm Swiss and I'm French and now I'm also American. So okay. I have three nationalities. But at the time, I was only Swiss and French. Mm -hmm. So I told the Swiss that I was going to do my military service in, Fr in, in, in Switzerland. Okay. And then I told the I'm sorry I told the Swiss I was doing it in Switzerland in, in France. France and then the, the French, French I was doing it in Switzerland right. and then you're like I don't have to do it yeah. that's right what nice. are they gonna fight what, what is Switzerland gonna fight the cheese Brilliant. wars there's <laughs> nothing they got they're fine they, well they you know the French tried to invade and they failed that the yeah. Swiss yeah. maintained they neutrality they were like this they're is very a good about place. being neutral so they yeah. don't have to fight which is that, great I admire that I wish well and we have everybody's money in our coffers so why would anybody want to attack us very true that's a terrible idea yeah yeah. Yeah, Switzerland is a beautiful place. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about alien. Yes, let's, let's talk about yeah. alien. Let's move away from the chicken and yes. talk about you know alien. Where now, do yeah. the xenomorphs come from? Yes, where do they come from? Oh my gosh, uh, where do I where do I begin to answer this? Uh, well, I mean, look, the very first xenomorph as we know it mm -hmm. really comes from Giger's Necronomicon. It's mm -hmm. a painting called Necronom Four. Yep. It had the, the eyes, it mm -hmm. had sort of those bug eyes, but it pretty much existed in, in the form that we know it um, as a painting. It was based and on nightmares, right? He was just riddled oh yeah, by nightmares. Everything. I mean, yeah, pretty much everything that, that Giger painted. When did he paint painted. Uh, Oh my gosh, you're talking about... You're talking about early 70s, I think, at that point? Yeah, okay. yeah early 70s. So he was influenced by probably reading H.P. Lovecraft and things like oh, that. Oh, completely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the Lovecraft influence. Both Did he really suffer from nightmares? Is that true? Yeah, yeah. 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 terrible, terrible, terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and he would, you know, he would often paint in a, in a trance and sort of wake up in the morning and there he was, you know. I mean, oh. it's, That's similar uh, to me, except it's eating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you wake up in your fridge. And but it's I wake up in my fridge <laughs> and it's a nightmare in there. <laughs> so many donuts. Um, yeah. what, uh, so when, uh, when, when H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, influ he influences Geiger, right? Yeah, and, and also Dan O'Bannon. You know, they were very much on this kind of uh, Lovecraftian, you know, wavelength. Uh, this idea of the, you know, the fear of the unknown. Yeah. Uh, they really connected on that level, as Dan O'Bannon actually, you know, told me and says in, says in the film. Yeah. yeah. What, what is that? Uh, give us a little more when it comes to... to um, 
the fear of the unknown. Yeah. What What does that uh, mean exactly? Like, what 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 type of stuff did was he pushing and, and creating? The, this idea that when we venture out into space, which is supposed to be quiet and empty, that in fact it may not be as quiet as in, and empty mm-hmm. as as we'd like to think, and that the the boogeyman may actually be, you know, hanging mm. out there, and these things, these life forms that we can't quite even comprehend Mm -hmm. that you know that we can't communicate with that are not in any way you know the 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 alien from you know uh, close encounters or Mm -hmm. the alien from et you know aliens that you can actually have a some kind of a conversation with uh these are very different beings um and uh and you know the, the works of lovecraft are so terrifying to me because it's almost like in his prose, the, the horror lies just outside the page, mm-hmm. just outside yeah. the frame. You can almost, you can, he, he makes your imagination yeah. go there. He describes you know? enough to make you think of something That's without right. describing it. Yes. Which is very... It's, it's terrifying. Very, it's, it's scarier than just writing, it had 20 tentacles and blah, yeah. blah, blah. But he makes you think of something with 20 tentacles without writing that. Yeah. And then your own imagination takes it to whatever your darkest place is, which is Jeez, great. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Which is what Alien does. I mean, yeah. you don't see Alien very much at all. The, the Alien itself, the yeah. Xenomorph, you know? Yeah. Um, you well, get hints of it dropped in the movie. You do. Yeah. I think that's one of the most fascinating points of... I think this movie in particular is a timeless classic, is that as culture changes, yeah. it takes on brand new significance, Good and people. you can embrace different metaphors in it that yeah. may not have been prevalent before. Yeah, and I think that's what great movies do. I mean, I think great movies tap into, into our you know, subconscious uh, into ideas and images that resonate and that have resonated with us as humans for centuries and millennia. And, and it's, it's not surprising that movies like these you know, keep coming back again and again and again because they, they do resonate with us on a very, very profound psychological level. So for the timing of this one to come out right now, yeah. What, what was the angle that you were finally like, okay, I think it's time to make this because it feels, not only because of the anniversary, but also because sure. of like what you, you were like, I know what I want this to be. Well, you know, I, I don't want to give away the, the film. I mean, there's, there's a pretty substantial thesis that I'm, that I'm mm-hmm. making in the film. But I will say this, that I will say that now that we are finally having a conversation in our culture about the way that women are treated and have been treated and continue to be treated, especially in Hollywood, but also, quite, let's be frank, in, in our culture. Uh, and, you know, with the Me Too movement and, you know, again, we're finally having an interesting conversation. We have a long way to go. Um, I, I do think that the, the alien bursting out of Kane's chest is, a, is the expression of a, an unconscious patriarchal guilt that we needed to be confronted with in 1979 that people didn't realize I love that at mm-hmm. the time but that we can finally now 40 years later start actually having that conversation out into the open and I think that's why men were completely freaked out when they showed up in theaters back then yeah. didn't understand what was going on yes. at all a female you know hero I mean? like that yeah, yeah that's right who nobody's you know, listening to for the whole film yeah well that yeah. Oh. that and then men you know Kane specifically being subjected this, to this idea of I mean you've got male rape male, male pregnancy uh, male birth mm-hmm. oh uh, all this stuff that was that is really alien to us as, as men yes yeah. you know oh that's so, so fucking cool 
So there you go. Yeah. Game over, man. You're totally game right over. About that. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah, that was a game changer. It really it was, was a game changer, and it continues to be a game changer. You know, I and I think it. looking at Alien now through that lens of of contemporary culture and those discussions that we're having now, I think it's much more contemporary as a film today than it was 40 years ago. Wow. Yeah, oh it plays even more importantly now that we're actually discussing it because back then it was just here's some hints about an idea that we might have that most people missed and now you can watch it and really get what the point of that might have been yeah I mean it's funny because and this is what's so great by the way about it too is the fact that you know you, you can look at it and say it's a haunted house movie in space mm -hmm. and it is sure. but it's so much more than that too. yeah Hello, my name's Dennis Heine and I'm here to talk to you about something that everyone struggles with getting a good night's sleep are you one of the millions of people that wrestle your pillow into the right position every night? My head isn't rectangular, so why should my pillow be? Exactly, which is why we've taken the next obvious step in pillow evolution. Ooh, I'm listening. It's the buttress pillow, the pillow shaped like a butt. Hang on, is this a real product? You bet your sweet butt it is. The ergonomic design gently cradles your head and supports the neck. Hey, what are we talking about? Buttress pillows. Now that is something I can get into. I gave one to my grandson and I haven't seen him in weeks. Thanks, Buttress Pillow. Finally. Finally. So what are you waiting for? Go to thebuttresspillow.com right now. It's your butt for the squeezing. Come get that butt. The Buttress Pillow. Pillow that's a butt. Hey Matt, before we continue uh, chatting with this wonderful guest, uh, uh, we we really do have a uh, extraordinary, very fun segment that we got to do right now. What's the segment? Well, I'll tell you, buddy boy. The segment is called "Inexpensive Holiday Gifts." Oh, cool! Is there a jingle for the segment? There is. You want to hear it? Yeah, of course I want to hear it. Here we go. <laughs> Inexpensive holiday gifts, inexpensive holiday gifts, inexpensive holiday gifts. You can buy them because they're inexpensive. Wow. That was yeah. really good, actually. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be that good. All right. Here's the segment. Uh, Matt, what is an inexpensive holiday gift? What is a good inexpensive holiday gift, buddy? Uh, pack of gum. Pack of gum. That is correct. That is an inexpensive holiday gift. Uh, have you ever gotten somebody a pack of gum, Matt? <laughs> I bought an ex-girlfriend a pack of gum. Well, a, a whole a whole bunch of packs of gum for Christmas. And that's why she's an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> uh, here's another fun uh, inexpensive holiday gift is a pair of socks. You ever get yeah. a pair of socks for Christmas? Uh, uh, socks and underwear like every year for Christmas. Every time yeah. I get socks for Christmas, I throw them in the trash. <laughs> Because that's a terrible gift. You know, it is a great inexpensive holiday okay. gift uh, this year. And this is the first time I've ever seen one of these. Mm -hmm. It absolutely blew my mind. Anyone can afford this and they can get it for someone that they love. And it will blow their mind in half. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about from Bliss Lights, mm -hmm. the brand new Starport. I, I'm in based on the name alone. Right? That sounds... Who doesn't want a starport? I'm, I'll buy anything called a starport. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you're thinking, 
What's a starport? Yeah. I'll tell you what it is. So Bliss Lights makes these laser light show lights mm-hmm. where you like plug it in and then it lights up your whole house and turns your house into like basically what a theme park yeah, looks they, like. They have ones for like inside and ones for outside. They got a thing oh, yeah. that goes on a Christmas tree. They had all kinds of stuff. It's oh, really yeah. cool. Bliss Lights is responsible for designing the uh, the laser light shows for like every single theme park in the world. Yeah. These guys make it for the biggest of the biggest guys. Mm-hmm. And they also make them for your home. Which is so cool, but and now they make the starport, which is for the starport. space station. Well, no. So here's what a starport is: it is literally a laser light show that mm-hmm. plugs into your USB, so you can have it anywhere. You don't need to just you don't need to plug into the wall. You plug it into a USB, and it will literally throw all these laser lights all over your so room. It's so cool. That you can they plug have it into like a computer mm-hmm. or. Even if I have one of those like little portable power banks with USB on, I can plug uh, it yeah, in that. You know what? I did it. I ha- I have a portable power bank and I used it, and it is so neat. It looks like what you would even. It's it's cooler than a lightsaber, and that's saying wow. a lot from me. All right, and they come in red, green, and blue, and mm-hmm. you can walk around with it and just throw a laser light show anywhere you want to, to so throw cool. one. You can have one in the bathroom, in your bedroom, out while you're taking your dog for a walk. Where well, you can have one in the car when you're driving people around. I mean, you, you probably can, shouldn't do it inside the car while you're driving. I, yeah. That's I'm why your driving to, record is what yes, it is. Steve. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, you should absolutely go check it out. Mm-hmm. Use the code nighttime and uh, that will uh, that'll get you a, a, a discount on there, mm-hmm. which is really cool. It's a great promo. So use promo code nighttime for a discount and uh, and check it all out right now at blisslights.com. We're talking about blisslights.com. It's blisslights.com and look up that starport. Yeah. So cool. All right, here we go. Let's get back to the show. How has Legion M been to work with for you? Ah, they're amazing. I love these guys. I I love these guys as as a company and what they're doing and their mission Mm. and how they understand and know the fans and what they want to do and how they connect with the material uh, and, and their investors. But I love them as people. They're, mm-hmm. They've all become great friends. They're just amazing. They're warm. They're 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 just they're geeks like myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I just I love them. Now, they're amazing. They're amazing. Just from a practical perspective, like you say, you come up with an idea and you're like, I'd love to make a documentary about something, right? Let's right. say you want to make a documentary about uh, cactuses in Texas, right? Let's say that's sure. What, it is. what do you do? Like, what's the first step? You're like, let me make this movie happen. How do you practically do that? Like, do you just pick up a camera and go there no. and fly on your own dime, or you meet with people and pitch them, or how does that work? No, so that so that's you know that's where my my background as as a dramatic writer kicks in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I always like to say that a, a, a story is mm-hmm. it's like it's like you're holding this diamond in in your hands, and a diamond has all these different facets which reflects lights in all these different mm-hmm. ways and directions. And so when you're contemplating telling a story, you're holding that diamond in your hand and you're turning it around and looking at the way that light reflects off of all of these fa- each facet and you have to pick one and that is your angle. And once you, once you decide that angle that you want to approach then everything else becomes natural. That, this, this, it dictates the structure of your piece. It, it dictates what you end up keeping, going for, going after, what, what you have to leave out. Uh, those are decisions that you have to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now the, for example, there are movies like say the movie Catfish, right? Yeah, which I haven't seen by the way. Okay. Yeah. So in the movie Catfish, as they're making it, 
at a certain point, yep. the movie itself changes, and for the filmmakers, it changed what their goal with the movie was and how it was yep. going to be done from there on out. Have you had that experience as a documentarian? Yeah. Like you're you're working on this material, and all of a sudden you realize something that changes your focus and changes the angle and changes all of that. Well, in fact, it happened with this particular film. Um, mm -hmm. uh, off of seventy eight fifty two, my intent was to make to see if I could make a film about the chestburster scene very specifically and mm -hmm. explore it in a similar way. Sure, sure. And then I very quickly realized that the chestburster is a completely different animal yeah. than the psycho shower scene. So, but there was this one story that kept, you know, in fact, we actually had a sizzle. We put together a sizzle at the time yeah. and it just wasn't working. It felt like a, you know, like an extended behind the scenes documentary, which is not at all what I do, as you guys know. Yeah. Um, so, but there was this one story and it was... Ridley Scott at show showed a a triptych by Francis Bacon to H.R. Giger mm -hmm. um, and said, you know, I want you to use this as the basis for the design of the chestburster. Mm -hmm. That triptych is called Three Studies for Figures at the Base of a Crucifixion. And it it revolutionized the the art world back in 1944. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a painting which, you know, it's a triptych that is at the Tate in uh, gallery in, in London. And you can see the chestburster very much there. Mm -hmm. It's those three sort of feral creatures. What's so interesting is that that scene, which is supposed to be a scene of crucifixion, is in fact the Greek Furies of Greek mythology. Uh -huh. And I thought, okay, I want to know what this is about, mm -hmm. what this might be about, and I want to kind of dig deeper and see if I find something. And the moment I did that, the doors started opening, and I realized, oh my gosh, I have a completely different film yeah and this is what led me to diane o'bannon who opened her archives and you know that just it was a game changer so so mm -hmm. i i set out to make a film about the chestburster i ended up making a, a mythological film about alien so there <laughs> you wow yeah. that's that crazy phenomenal man well yeah. yeah that's the fun of doing what i do you know on yeah. another practical that's, tip yeah. uh how much footage how many hours you know, this one, it, was, it wasn't that bad. I mean, you know, like you look at people versus George Lucas. I mean, we had, you know, we, we shot 126 interviews. Plus, we had over 600 hours of submitted footage from the fans. Holy this is nowhere. This is nowhere near that. I mean, we've had maybe a couple of hundred, couple hundred hours, something like that, you know. Yeah. Nothing, wow. nothing too That's crazy. Nothing too crazy. Yeah. You know? God. yeah, you have to watch a lot of stuff. And, and you have to watch those films obsessively over and over and over again and start looking for patterns and I mean that's what I love to do you know I love to I love to get into the details of those films you man know? dude yeah. you're phenomenal man um, is there a, a uh, for fans if they want to follow you on the social well, media first, where can we like see that? this movie yeah when can when can we see it well uh, so Legion M has plans to uh, Legion M and Screen Media have plans mm -hmm. to uh, release it uh, I believe in September or October I don't think okay. there's a, there's a the date has been announced so it'll be yet. theatrical release it'll in, be a theatrical release places. awesome yep, in certain places ooh then. right in time for Halloween let's yeah, go yeah, exactly yeah, exactly and um, and then there'll be of course you know DVD Blu-ray. Um, I, I hope at some point it'll end up on either Netflix or Hulu or you know, One of those. Prime something sure yeah. Yeah, down, down the road. Um, yeah. How, so how involved are you in that process of like, hey, the movie's done, now where's it going to wind up showing? Like, Are you just like, I made the movie and I've sort of done my part, now it passes off to the business people who handle that? Or are you involved in like, let's get it in 
I, I it has to be shown in uh, you know uh, Paris. Like I know people in Paris love Alien. It's got to be there. I, I know the theater. Like, do you get involved in that route or? No, well, I, I do. I, I do, and I don't. You know, I mean, Legion M and Screen Media they own the North American rights, mm -hmm. so that's really their their territory. Yeah. I mean, we I work with with other distributors as well in different territories, mm -hmm. and obviously, I go to a lot of film festivals. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, no, I definitely like to be very hands-on. I like to participate. I like to, you know, to give, uh, you know, my opinion. And uh, sometimes they take it and sometimes they don't. And that's, that's, the, that's the way it goes. You <laughs> that's know? How, so, the booth, how the yeah. booth business is. Yeah. yeah, as long as they don't change the film, then, yeah. then I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. I love that. <laughs> we love Legion M so much. They're oh, so they're, awesome. They're, they're, they're amazing. Where, they're can, uh, where can people find you on the social medias? Well, they should follow us at Exhibited Pictures. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, we're on Twitter. And um, you know, I'm I'm you know, I'm on Facebook as well. People can find me there if they really want to talk to me. Well, I'm sure they will. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're gonna get the weird, creepy alien yeah, fans yeah, yeah. finding I, you. I think he's there gonna get go. the, Thanks, the, guys. the head chopped off uh, chicken, <laughs> head chopped off fans. Oh, the, the headless chicken too. fans. Oh yes. yeah, they're gonna find them. It's em. a hard one to if find. If they haven't uh, already found them, they're gonna find them now. Where can people watch that movie? I, it's a hard one to find. I think it. They, I'm not even sure you can even buy it on Amazon All right. anymore. Matt. Internet. Here's what you do. Internet. Uh, when you listen to this, by the time you listen to this, I'm sure <laughs> I will have found it online, so you can message me, and I will let you know if I find a way to watch it. I That's love right. that. Um, Good luck with that. Mike Glazer, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Glazer Boo Who Who. Wonderful. Yes, <laughs> and, yes. Uh, and you're sad. But you're glad. But I'm glad, and uh, I don't know if you watch uh, if you watch TV or Hulu or anything. I'm the star of the new Dunkin' Donuts campaign, so go buy Dunkin' Donuts and send me a picture so I can post it, and they'll rehire me, and then I'll be their uh, their Verizon guy. And if you happen to run into a Xenomorph, feed it some fucking donuts. Yeah, huh? what are you doing? They're very skinny. There's Matt, one right here. There's Matt, one right where here. can people <laughs> find you, buddy? Uh, you can find links to everything at funnymat.com, or if you uh, think that it's awful. That uh, I would want to watch a movie about a chicken with a head cut off. You can let me know at mattwalkersucks.com. And people do. You yes. can always get me at Stephen Glickman, S T P H E N Glickman, on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nighttime Show podcast. Leave us comments and share it with your friends. Thank you so much for coming to do the Thank show. Thank you, man. guys. It was Dude, great. Thank best. you.